Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the CXCast, your source for all things experience. Adele is joining me as co-host once again. Hey, Adele. Hello. And back in the studio, we have Maxie Schmidt-Subramanian. She's a VP and principal analyst on the CX research team. Maxie, thanks for coming back. Just so welcome. I'm honored that you have me. <laughs> uh, thank you. <laughs> So today we're going to talk about a topic that you are passionate about, which is measuring value for the customer. And I guess my first question is, why do we measure value for the customer? So what you measure gets done, right? Uh, but right now, lots of companies are super focused on value of the customer. They are brushing off their customer lifetime value calculations, trying to figure out their revenue and profitability by customer. and. If they do that well, good for them. But if you really think about sustainability of a company, you cannot get value from your customers if you don't also provide them value in return. So in the long run, customers will only stay if they get value from doing business with you. And in order to make sure we can strive that balance, we need to get a lot better at measuring the value for customer part of that equation. So what is value for customer? Yeah, value for customer is the balance of what customers get versus what they give up when they do business with a company. And there is, I think, an important thing there. It's, it's a perception of what that balance is, a perception what I get and perception what I give up. And it's about that getting up versus giving. In many cases, people think about money and the product. So I give you $100 and you give me lots of ice cream. <laughs> right? That's what most people think about. But um, there is much more to that. Right, because once I have to wait in an hour-long line to get the ice cream, and then you don't have the form of payment, the value exchange has changed a little bit for me, no matter what the price is. Yeah, absolutely. And if I can't photograph myself eating the ice cream and put it on Instagram, then did I really eat it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, but that's really interesting that you mentioned this. I think about, about this number of dimensions in Forrester, we've created a framework that is trying to pull that together into a four-dimensional value framework. Like it's not 36 types of value, but just four really general dimensions of value. The first is the economic value. Is this ice cream fairly priced? If it's for a very small uh, scoop of ice cream, the economic value is no. The second is the functional value. Is that ice cream tasty? Does it cool my tongue while I eat it, right? <laughs> These very, very simple things. So economic and functional, and that's what most people think about, right? But there's a third and a fourth dimension to this. The third dimension is the experiential value. Do I have a good chat with a person who gives me the ice cream at the stand? Does it look dirty, dingy, or clean and exciting and cool? Kind of that experiential value. And then the fourth one is the symbolic value. For example, is this ice cream made from local farmed milk, which makes me feel like I'm supporting a local community? Or is this actually the ice cream that uh, all the stars eat? It makes me belong to that group of stars that eat that ice cream. And it's so cool to eat that, right? So this has something to do with my self-perception, but also the perception of me by others. So these four dimensions is economic value is about the money. Functional value is does it do what it's supposed to do? Experiential value is about the interactions. And symbolic value is about the meaning. When you think about these four dimensions, they really cover this give and get. So Angelina, to your point, right? I might be willing to spend $100 and two hours on an ice cream that only the stars eat. So I can feel like I'm also up there with whatever Ben Affleck. No, I think he's not up there anymore. <laughs> but you know what I mean? So I'm up there with the other Instagram influencers that I so admire. And I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to give something to get that back, right? 
And no, it does not only apply to ice cream, it also applies to other experiences and it applies to B2B as well, right? But there's this experiential and symbolic value that we often forget. <laughs> yeah. And you know where it comes up a lot with our clients is around insurance. Mm-hmm. When we're mapping journeys and we're talking about what's important in the journey, I hear about value a lot. So can we look at those journeys and measure that? Yes, you can absolutely. You could look at a journey, you could map the journey, and you can identify for important points in the journey, what are the kind of value drivers that matter most? So the value drivers are a click down from value dimensions. In an insurance journey, for example, I once talked to a client who had a very exclusive insurance. You can only get in when you were invited, right? So, or there might be an insurance only for really wealthy people. At that point, when you have that step, you're creating a high symbolic value through that value driver of status or exclusivity. Then later on in the journey, you might create a functional value through paying out <laughs> that insurance claim for the diamonds that you lost. Right? When you look at that journey, you can see what kind of value drivers are important when in the journey. And then, of course, when you know that, you could also measure them. I feel like that's a good segue into how you measure value for customer. I use a little joke when I talk about this, I'll tell you. <laughs> so you know how Peter Drucker said, if you can't manage it, if you can't measure it. Yep. And then Maxi Schmidt says, you can't measure it if you can't understand it. So in order to manage it, you need to be able to measure it. In order to measure it, you need to be able to understand it. So anything to do with value for customer measurement needs to start in understanding, deeply understanding what value customers even want to get from an experience or from a relationship with a company. And that's the ultimate first step, right? If you don't do that, you'll not be able to measure that. The second step is then to find the right measurement instrument for the different value drivers. And the third one is to draw the conclusions and use these insights to improve. So that sounded very easy, but I'm sure it's not. Can we go through each of those steps in a little more detail? Yes, I think the hardest one is really the understanding what customers value. And that has a number of reasons. The first reason is that here, a typical customer experience person needs to partner really closely with people who have research experience, qualitative research experience. Because you can't figure this out through a survey. You have to observe people. You have to interview them. One example, AARP. You know, the people for the lobby uh, and membership agency for people above the age of 50. They really thought that they know what drives value for customers. But when they interviewed people, they realized, oh, they want us to show up as their fierce defender and wise friend. So what does this mean? Oh, this probably means that we need to offer them everything, like grief counseling and all of the things that they might want to do. No, actually, when they did these interviews, they realized that these people wanted certain things from AARP, but for other type of things that they needed to do, they only wanted to get support. So they wanted to know how to reach a grief counselor, but they didn't want AARP to be their grief counselor. And that understanding, this is so impressive what AARP did there, understanding of what it is really that drives value for customers is important. And here's why qualitative research comes in so strongly. If you don't do qualitative research, you're going to miss these symbolic and experiential drivers because people aren't going to talk about them easily. You do need to prompt, you need to understand things like, here's a question you could ask, right? Why did you do business with this company over another company? And then continue asking, what does this mean and why, and what does it mean in your life? It's a technique called lettering, where you're trying to understand from what a person says to what are the motives behind this. And then you might find out that I do business with this insurance because it's a community insurance. Or you might find out I do business with this insurance because it's an insurance that only admits people who are really amazing, right? Who also get the ice cream. And that kind of thing helps you understand what is really the drivers behind 
what makes customers make these decisions. So qualitative research, understanding what values. And then when you have that research, of course, you need to quantify it and rank it, which means you need to pick a few customer segments and do quantitative analysis whether customers, what customers really want. If one example from a credit card company, and they thought it was the acceptance of the card by merchants that mattered. Of course, right? If I can pay at more stores with a card, it's a better card. But no, it was the status of the card. So while they knew acceptance by merchants and status of the card were two value drivers, they could figure out that the status actually was even more important. People would pay a large sum every year for the benefit of being able to pull that card out of their wallet in front of store employees and friends. Or get into the lounge <laughs> where others can't go. <laughs> right. Which is, by the way, an interesting thing. Uh, this is a little side tour for our audience, but any customer experience design thing that you do can create several types of value. A lounge at an airport gives an international traveler a chance to shower and not stink. A lounge in an airport also gives them a chance to feel special. It also gives them a chance to interact with people who are there to help them, right? So you can create several types of value with one customer experience thing that you do. We need to think carefully about how to design customer experiences to drive the kinds of value that our customers would like to have. Right. It's easy to make assumptions that people only care about the status part of it when actually the functional part of it is maybe more important to some people. The shower, right? And that's the operative word, Adele. There are people that go to the lounge for the shower and there are people who go to the lounge for the status, for being seen to go down the elevator to the lounge area. And both things might play a role in many people's heads, but often one is more than the other. When you're doing this research, the most important thing is not to understand whether somebody is more into symbolic value versus functional value. That is interesting to know, but it's more important to know what drives symbolic value for them and what drives functional value. And so at that level deeper. So am I getting meaning from doing business with a company that's really environmentally friendly? Or am I getting meaning from doing business with a company that shows all my neighbors that I'm actually better than them, right? That level of detail we need in that qualitative research. And that level of detail, by the way, then gets you to the second stage, that measurement part, right? I mentioned earlier, that's the measurement. What we find often is that people think, oh, what's the right metrics? But if you found out what the value drivers are, the metrics kind of write themselves. And I know I say this as a, as a person who's covered measurement for eight and a half years, but it's true. You have to believe me. If you know what the value driver is, the metric will become apparent. For example, if the value driver is, I want to know whether I'm better than others, you can try to look for evidence that people feel better than others in their comments. Don't ask them in a survey because they're not going to admit that that's <laughs> what it is, right? but you can look for this in comments or in reviews or in other places where people are unguarded about <laughs> their ulterior cynical motives. When you're looking for functional value, you could look for usage data, right? So that's what I mean by these metrics kind of rank themselves. Yeah, I was imagining as people walk into the lounge, you do like a facial scan and see how, <laughs> how smug they look or something like that about their ability to walk in. Right, or like me, how, how bewildered they look that I now belong in this amazing club of others. <laughs> how did I make it here? <laughs> important thing when you think about these metrics is that you keep remembering that this is all about the perception. So you can find proxies for value. For example, I could find a proxy for functional value could be how I use it product. Proxy for the functional value that our podcast audience gets from this podcast might be the number of minutes they listen to it and the number of episodes that they listen to, right? And that is a good proxy. But the real measure of value would be to ask them whether this podcast has inspired them, whether this podcast has helped them make decisions, right? 
So we need to be quite careful with this balance of trying to find proxies that we can use because we're trying to avoid over-surveying people, while also understanding perceptions. So you might have to, in Germany, we say bite into the sour apple and uh, do more perception kind of studies, but do them less frequently. So surveys, for example, for things that are not socially undesirable and text mining for things that might be socially undesirable. Hmm. Cool. So do you know any companies that do this well? Yes. So there are some companies who seem to be quite aware of the idea that they need to deliver value for their customers. I spoke, for example, with Hesta. They are a company, a pension fund, kind of a 401k for Americans or a pension fund for a global audience, specifically for people who are in nursing type professions. So lots of their members are women. Right? And when they looked at value, they identified value drivers. So let's go through these four dimensions. First is economic value. So this is just about, can you <laughs> save money for retirement? And so the metrics they chose for that are the net investment returns and the fees. Second one, functional value, right? Do you feel confident that you've got it covered in retirement? Are you ready for retirement? For that, they created a survey around the confidence. Do you feel confident in your financial future? And they created a variable. It's called retirement readiness score which compares whether you, whatever you've saved in retirement or whatever you will have saved in retirement is more or less than what the comfortable living standard is then. So that's functional value. For the experiential value, they specifically measure whether their interactions that customers have with them are um, effortless. So do customers feel that there's clarity and simplicity, right? And they measure satisfaction. And lastly, for the symbolic dimension, they know that their customers really care. Their members care whether the HESTA does what's right for women whether it supports women's right in Australia, but they also care about sustainability, environmentally sustainable, right? So they measure, they use an existing brand survey, which asks whether its members believe that has that as what's right for women in Australia, for example, and they use that as a measure of symbolic value. I think this example kind of illustrates neatly that if you have these four dimensions and then you go down to a lot of the value drivers, them, you can define metrics against those. Just by describing those, I get the sense that they know more about their members than the average company does just by walking through that exercise. Yes. And you know what I find really impressive when you go to the annual report of HESTA, the first page is about the value they deliver to their customers and the community. So that to me, that grounding your activities in that value that you want to provide for your customers is all they do. Like that's their annual report starts with that. So I think you're right, Angelina, that they're more in tune with that value. But that doesn't mean that others can't do the same. As we just talked about, there are a number of, maybe not simple, but a number of clear steps that, that you can take to also find out what value you want to provide or what values your customers want to get from you and then measure what you do. You make it sound so easy, Maxi, but what do you actually do when you have all this data? That gets us back to how we started this conversation. Remember, we talked about the fact that you need to balance value often for customer. And just picture in front of yourself like a matrix, an x-axis and a y-axis. And the diagonal from the bottom left to the top right is kind of a fair position where you have equal amount of value for and value of customer. And that's where you're trying to be in the long run. Because if you're not there, you're not sustainable. You're getting all kinds of value out of your customers, but they get very little value, which means they're going to leave you. Or you're creating a lot of value for your customer, maybe through discounts or through additional product functionality that they're not willing to either pay for it or put effort into it. And so that's not sustainable either. And knowing now what kind of value you provide, you can find yourself and other companies on that matrix and see where you are and whether in the long run you can actually 
drive towards that value for customer. Thank you so much, Maxi. This was such a treat. Yeah. You're welcome. Let me know if you want to chat more. Also, um, dear podcast audience, I'm, as you can hear, excited about the topic, or maybe you can't hear it, but I am excited about the topic. <laughs> and love your, your efforts on measuring value for customer. I like how we brought it back to the ice cream by saying it was a treat. <laughs> I got a lot of symbolic value in having this conversation with you, Max. Good one. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. That was Maxie Schmidt covering value for customers and how to measure it. And we hope you will go out and do some great measurement once you understand what actually drives value for your customers. Thanks so much. Bye for now.